if you're if you're sitting at a computer hunched over and leaning into the computer and then you stand up and you lean into the computer it's going to be the same type of tension on your neck and so if you have neck problems that's there's that and so if you have back problems then typically that sitting alters your posture to where then in turn you're using other muscles that should not be used for standing or getting up from a seated position and things like that. And what you're going to end up doing is causing a point of tension, usually in your back, because you get pulled a lot forward because you think sitting is a strengthening technique, if you want to take it that way, of anterior, which is the front of your body, getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And then the back of your body or the posterior chain is actually becoming much, much weaker because it's getting stretched out. But it is strong maybe in that posture that you're sitting. But as soon as you change that posture and try to move, your body just gets locked up. And that's when people are like, my back's out or things like that. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, you can go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. If you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, click find a trusted professional. But today we're here to do a podcast. So you scroll over, hit that podcast button, and uh, you can download this episode and all other episodes from all the different platforms from the website. And you can scroll down to Dr. Jason Hill. Welcome to the show, Jason. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, man. So Jason and I know each other because he causes me a lot of pain. He's a doctor that causes pain. And he doesn't know what to say to that. Well, that's uh, yeah, kind of the way you get out of pain is to cause more pain. Is to cause more pain? Yeah. We're going to jump into that. But before I start every one of these, my father-in-law says I got to do a joke. So I intentionally do bad jokes. You ready for this? And I think this is uh, timely for the season. What do you call a naughty lamb who dressed up like a skeleton for Halloween? I'm not sure what they can say. Bad to the bone. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> now, I, I am not. I am not known for the quality of the jokes that I tell in here. Hmm. Sounds like something my dad would say. Is that? Is that yeah. it? Mm-hmm. So, for the audience sake, and we're going to dive into what you do and everything else. Is where are you from? Where did your journey in life begin? And let's go from there. Okay. Well, uh, where I'm from is kind of convoluted. It's basically my dad was in the Navy. He was a pilot, and we lived a lot of places. And I was born in Sierra, Puerto Rico, uh, of which I think we stayed there four months. And then after that, my first memories are in Ridgecrest, California, at the China Lake Air, Air Base out there. And then uh, from there, let's see, we moved to Palo Alto. We moved out to Meridian, Mississippi, moved to Houston, moved to New Orleans. And then in 1984, we moved to uh, Red Oak, Texas. And that's where I went to high school, uh, junior high, high school, and then went to Baylor after that. Uh, Graduated in 97 from Baylor, then went to Parker in 98 through 2001 for chiropractic school. And then I've been practicing since 2001. And that's the quick rundown and dirty of how Dr. Mm-hmm. Jason Hill got to being a doctor. It's, well, yeah, just in a nutshell. Right. I mean, because, mm-hmm. I mean, you made it seem very simple, but it's actually a lot of work that you've gone to. Yeah, so, there was like, yeah. honestly, there was probably like six places before I was even 10. 
that we lived. And so at that point, you know, you, you have like a different kind of journey than a lot of people who grew up in the same place. And so now on only because for the rest of the free world, I don't think there's really a label of what you really do, mm-hmm. right? Because what you do is very different Correct. than the average chiropractor mm-hmm. out there, right? I mean, I, every time I go into your office, I see a wall full of all kinds of schools and certifications mm-hmm. from everywhere to everything. Let's dive into that a little bit of the difference between what a normal chiropractor does and what you do. Well, typically, uh, when you go into a normal office, what you'll do is you'll they'll do a quick exam and they'll do x-rays and then they'll set you up on a treatment plan of mainly adjustments, sometimes some adjunct therapies like EMS or hot packs or ultrasound or even tra- like traction table or spinal later tables. And we don't like to set up plans for people. Basically, people come to us whenever they're having um, a lot of pain that either nobody can get rid of or they know that we can get rid of a lot of return patients. When somebody comes in the office, we do a full hour exam. We assess what they're going through. They tell us their complaints, everything. We kind of figure out like motion and how things are moving. And then from there, you know, basically you, you set up what you're going to do that day for treatment. And for me, it falls into a few different categories per body part. I try to keep it very simple, but mainly what we do is more myofascial or soft tissue therapy, and then also an adjustment if required. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't like to be adjusted, that, but like that type of therapy, like the myofascial work and things like that. So Let's talk about that technical term you okay. just used. So what is that for the audience that is not familiar with? Myofascial? Yep. Yeah. Myofascial means myo means muscle. Fascia means the skin or the fascial tissue that covers the muscle on the inside of your body, underneath your skin. You have a, a network of fascial tissues, and they go all over your body, different planes. There's even a whole book uh, called Anatomy Trains where some people uh, really dive into that and go for the anatomy trains, and some people think it's just a bunch of hooey. But you think if you are wearing a giant compression suit with fibers that go in all different directions and you get a kink in one of those fibers in the compression suit, it's going to pull on other areas. And so what we try to do is break up that kink and get the thing moving and get your body a little bit more balanced so that you can actually heal and function. Okay. And then soft tissue, what what do you mean by that? Soft tissue basically is more muscle than bone. And so most chiropractors deal with bones. We deal with more muscles than we deal with bones. And would you would it be fair to say that you really target people who are more in the athletic realm than not particularly. You know, we we do have that target audience of people who are runners or professional athletes or cyclists or triathletes or, you know, basically sports people. But we do have a lot of people who are just your, you know, regular desk jockeys that come in because they have problems due to primarily due to sitting and posture. So one of the things that the and and, and Jason's being incredibly humble about what, what what he actually does is he he is a master at his craft. And one of the things I find interesting is like I might come in and I'm just using this as as an example. You can correct me and gear me the correct way is I'm like, hey, my shoulder hurts. And you're like, yeah, it's coming from your pinky toe on your left foot. Mm-hmm. Right. Go in and talk about how you've tried to explain to me, but we know that I'm not a really good listener. So I'll come in with a complaint of an area 
Mm-hmm. And and for the audience, I mean, look, I mean, I being on this planet for almost half a century in between the Marine Corps and PD and everything else that I've done, my own level of stupidity is Jason will be the first to tell you it. I've got more things that need to be fixed in me than probably a car that's in the salvage yard, right? And and so I go into Jason frequently. Now they your 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 business model is hey, let's address the issue and then you're done with the issue. But I've got so many issues that I just <laughs> Every time I'm in town, I'm like, all right, well, let's work on this section from, you know, foot, shins, back, whatever. But one of the things that's interesting is like whenever I'm like, hey, I, like two weeks ago when I called you out, I was like, hey, man, I I have got this back pain that is just killing me. And then we got in there and even though it was coming from the right side, you're like, yeah, it's actually coming from here. That's just the exit point. Mm-hmm. Of where you're feeling it. Talk talk about that a little bit. Well, when you're dealing with like backs, a lot of times it is a point of tension or, you know, that's when you have like, yeah, you're talking about your pinky toe. I never really go that far down the rabbit hole, which a lot of guys will that are in that kind of work. But typically what I try to find is an area of restriction versus an area of overcompensation. So talk talk about the difference between those okay. two terms. Area of restriction means the muscle is tight. It's kind of glued together. It might be glued to the skin. It might just be kinked up and it's just not firing right. And so what you have is a lack of neurological response because you don't have proper contraction relaxation. Most of the time you have an over contraction, which is where the muscles really, really, really tight and you have to get it loosened up. And if you go through a normal means of like, say, typical adjustment or trying to stretch it out, it might not work. Sometimes you need a little deeper tissue work. So when you're looking at that, say like, I do a muscle test and I find out that even though your right side's hurting, it's your left side's kinked up. And typically it's a muscle on the left side that's supposed to provide stability to an area. And when I have that, I see that you, what you're doing is you're actually overcompensating on the opposite side and that side is actually swollen. So if I was to treat only that side, then I would never take away from the original problem, the core from the base of that problem, which is the opposite side. And I would just be kind of mashing on you and you would scream and yell and everything. And, and basically you would leave feeling maybe a little bit better because I kind of pushed on some stuff and got maybe some swelling out. But overall, it would come back almost within an hour or so. And yeah. so what we have to do is go find the root of the problem. That's where the muscle tests come in that I, that I use that I've kind of taken from different techniques like applied kinesiology or neurokinetic technique. And I've tried to figure out a way that it works for me and the way I can relate to my patients. So in a way, it's something that I've just developed on my own. And uh, but I've taken it from other things. It's kind of like I've never jived with one whole technique completely. So I've had to kind of mix a lot of things together. And that's why we take so many classes. Yeah. And it's one of the things I really like about you is like you, you're just not a one tool in a toolbox kind of person. Right. You got a lot of tools in there and you're like, hey, we're going to start with this tool mm-hmm. and we're going to work through these tools till we find something that that works. Like I, I think of a, an example as I had is um, about a year ago, like in the arches of my foot, like I was getting these like just, I mean, man, I couldn't even walk, couldn't even do anything. Mm-hmm. It, it was just, I would get these, I don't know, it was like a spasm or something that was in the arch of my foot. And I came in, I was like, man, it's like, it's happening to me while I'm asleep. And you were like, there's nothing wrong with your foot. It's your calf. Right. And you were like, man, your calves are just super locked up. We need to unlock your calf. 
And as soon as you did what you did, then it unlocked it. And But sometimes, and I don't want to scare the audiences, to unlock some of this stuff does take a little bit of pain to get through it, right? right. Because you're breaking stuff up. Right. Well, you're looking at like fibers and, and muscle fibers mainly, and maybe you think about fascial tissue fibers. I've never really felt a fascial tissue fiber, but some people think that they have. And what you feel for are just little knots, right? And knots are typically in the muscle, and you can say also in the fascia. But basically, you're running your fingers through there, your thumbs through there. So it's more of a deep tissue work, or not quite the deep tissue massage style, but more of a deep tissue myofascial style. Style, which is a little bit more painful. Some people even say it's kind of close to Groston, what I do. Although I would never claim myself to be a Groston provider. I don't go that deep. All right. But in your case, with that, I think I also remember we had you do some back exercises because it was really you were overproducing function in your calves, which was causing your ankles to be tight, which then in turn caused you to work your arches more. And then you had more pain there. And so we had to actually get you to move your back more because of, you know, maybe it was too much sitting or something like that. Maybe it was just a lack of strength on one side versus the other in your hips. But we had to get you to loosen up the pressure on your calf muscles in order to loosen up the pressure onto your feet. Ultimately, you were overproducing function with your feet where that function should have been spread out either all the way through your legs or up into the hips. Another example that I remember is I came to you and I was like, man, and this is when I was still living down here in uh, Tanglewood area. And I was going up the stairs because that was the last house that I had stairs. I was like, man, hey, I think after all these years, my knees are starting to give out. You're like, man, because you can tell by looking at somebody, right? Like, are they straight? Are they crooked? Or whatever the medical term is that you use. Mm -hmm. But you're like, nah, man, I've been working on you for a while and I don't. I don't think you got any problems. So you did an evaluation and what you came to find out is like my quads or it was my, my upper leg, right, was so incredibly tightened up and locked up again that it was causing pressure on the kneecap. So basically when I was walking upstairs because of the tightness it was pulling on the kneecap, which made me think I was having knee problems. And then after you fixed it, like there was no more knee problems. Right. But it's not really, you know, me fixing things. It's more of me um, kind of moving some stuff around and then taking the pressure off of the knee because what you were doing was overproducing through your quad. You weren't using your glute. You probably had really tight ankles, right, which, you know, a lot of people have that. And what you do is you end up adding pressure to that area, and then that causes pain because of overuse. And that's where most knee problems like I find most knee problems outside of traumatic injuries, you know, because that's that's different. Most knee problems from just walking upstairs or running or things like that are typically just overuse of that side. Yeah. So, I mean, because if it's not a meniscus tear or an ACL or whatever else, it's probably something else causing pressure. And that's just where the exit is, or at least that was what I've always kind of coined it, you know, for the normal audience out there is, if it's if my knee feels like it's hurting, that's just the exit point where it's saying this is where you're you, you feel like you're hurting, but you're really not hurt here. Really, what's happening is the issue is somewhere else. Correct. Right. That's just basically like it's point of tension, point of pressure. What are you using more for an activity? It's kind of like, for instance, I had a patient the other day who is a young kid. He was training and he basically. All right. And so when that model 
he had nothing really wrong. Totally healthy kid. No knee injuries, no hip injuries, no back injuries, no foot injuries. And basically, he had end up overusing his hamstring. All right. And so we had to train him. Uh, once I found out that what was going on, it was more of a tight ankle issue as well as a lack of activation of the same side glute muscle, glute max muscle. And I had to train him on how to actually work that. Now, there's nothing I can really do about taking away the actual strain. I can take away pressure. I can help with that. But I can't actually heal that tissue by just touching it, right? There's no way you can actually take a, a, an overused muscle and make it okay. It's still going to be inflamed. It still has inflammation in there. And that inflammation has to take its course. But what we do with that is take pressure off of that muscle and have him retrain to as to not overuse that muscle again. And some kids, it takes a long time. Uh, you know, just or most people, it takes a while. It takes like, you know a minimum of about three months to six months of training, specific training outside of what, you know, what we would do in the clinic. So interesting you bring up glutes is I've really learned a lot. Like I would have never thought prior to meeting you that how many things come from your glute area, right? I just always thought, hey, it's an ass cheek, right? What does that have to do with anything else? And like, for example, when I was in a week ago and you're like, hey, yeah, you're you got some junk going on in here. And mm-hmm. I don't mean like, you know, the song, the junk in the, the trunk. trunk. I yeah. mean, like it was like, hey, and you're 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 like, hey, man, there's there's some stuff we got to loosen up here. Mm-hmm. And then it was don't get me wrong because of where it's so deep in there. Right. Right. And then you're you're dealing with the sciatic nerve. You're dealing with the hip joints and all this other stuff that are there that it's almost like a crazy intersection. Mm-hmm. Right. And and and. and but when you got in there, and and I, and as a matter of fact, that was also the same day where when I came in a few days later for this other issue, you were, you were like, yeah, the ladies at front were like, man, he drops a lot of f bombs, and I was and I started <laughs> laughing. I was like, yeah, because you were you were getting it, but that was also like, I know it's not your intention for it to hurt, but it's like one of those things like, hey, there's not a lot of options when you've got something that embedded. You know, aside from going and getting cut open and everything else, which is the very absolute last option that you guys ever recommend, at least in my experience with you guys, is but you got in there and then after we were done with it, it was like I was standing straight again. I was like, whoa, that's like I could feel myself walking different. Correct. You know, the hip joint's fantastic. I mean, it's it's interesting because you look at studies of bone structure. And you look at the pictures that you see in an office, like say I got those two pictures of one of muscles, one of uh, bones or skeleton, and it's very rare that the hip joint actually looks like that. It's most of the time you got, instead of like two little joints like this that are kind of like even, you got one that's all wonky and cattywampus versus the other. And it's just the way the body's structured. Nobody's perfectly structured, right? And so when we deal with our physical activities, you tend to favor one, one motion more than another. Most people do. And in your case, you had a large restriction um, in your left hip 
and it was more the glute medius muscle wasn't firing properly because it was stuck to the glute max as well as to the uh, superior gemel- uh, superior yeah superior gemellus and then also the um, piriformis which covers up the sciatic nerve all right and in that case you can actually cause even more radiating pain by like locking down on that sciatic nerve so if we break all that tissue up that lies on top of each other just layers of tissue in your glute in your glute area um, then we can unlock your potential to actually fire each muscle appropriately. That way you can gain stability and stop having to go to other places for stability. So we're we're talking about people that are active, right? So my life over the last couple of years has changed from going being very active to very much being behind a desk, right? Because I spent a lot of time in front of a computer, leaned over and all of that. Let's talk about the segment of the population that you also treat that is maybe – not as athletic doesn't mean that they don't do whatever. Just they're like me. They're spending 20 hours a day leaned over a desk looking at a computer. They're completely involved in what they're doing. Let's talk about those folks for for a minute, right? Yeah. So what are some of the common things you see from people that are at a desk and they're always over a computer that it's not that they have a bad X, Y, Z. It's like, hey, when you're in this position, this is what – you're likely to see his issues and here are some things to counter that so you don't engage in those issues. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, the number one thing I see people that sit behind a desk is posture disorder and posture disorder basically means that your body is not strong enough to hold that posture for that long. Your body, I mean, everybody's body needs movement. So if you sit at a desk eight, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, what's ultimately going to happen is that you're not, strong enough to hold that posture that long. It's almost like asking you to go run a marathon and hold the same run uh, gait the entire time. All right. You're not going to be able to do it, especially if you've never trained for marathons. Now, there's some Kenyans out there, they, you know, people that are elite runners that can hold that posture for that long because their bodies allow them to and they're trained that way. But for the average person, you're not going to be able to do that marathon uh, of running. And so if you translate that over to sitting, and it's basically a marathon of sitting every day, sitting is a very hard activity to sustain for that long. And whereas you're not exerting a lot of energy, you're still having to support yourself. And if you can't support yourself because you lean forward, you get head forward posture, your back flattens out, then ultimately, you know, initially you'll just have some aches and pains from sitting and most people will be proactive and go exercise and things like that. But there's a large, large group of people, um, you know, of every generation that just have no desire. And what they end up doing is having more and more pain and then it snowballs and at worst they would get an unrecoverable disc bulge up in their spine or they'd start developing shoulder pain or, you know, things like that. Um, And if it's like a disc bulge that is recoverable, there's a lot of things we can do exercise wise that are very similar to exercises that you would do to help support your posture. All right. And so the whole key is to remain strong in your posture. And I mean, and you talk about the glutes. I mean, I always tell people if I was to only work out two areas, I would work out my spine and my glutes. And that's, you know, that'd be it. And that's the way I can support myself, my structure, everything like that, and work multiple hours a day, either sitting, standing, or moving like I do all day long. 
You know, it's it's about it's about being able to hold yourself up and do what you want to do. And most people need that change of movement, change of posture in order to have a variety in their exercise routine or just their movement routine so they don't sustain one posture for too long. So let's take let's use an example of somebody that works Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. eight to five, sitting at a desk. What are some recommendations that you have? Like, hey, if you're going to be spending that much time leaned over a computer, mm-hmm. what are a couple of things that come to mind that you're like, hey, you should probably get up and either do or don't do this every X amount of minutes to hours to maintain a better posture? Well, the easiest thing is just to get up and move around, walk around your office or your cubicle or whatever you have. You know, people talk about having standing desk versus sitting desk, and they're showing not much difference between the two because your posture is your posture, right? It goes back to that marathon of posture. Exactly. You're trying to hold a marathon of a posture. Mm-hmm. It's just the body's not meant to do exactly. that. And so yeah. if you're if you're sitting at a computer hunched over and leaning into the computer and then you stand up and you lean into the computer, it's going to be the same type of tension on your neck. And so if you have neck problems, that's there's that. And so if you have back problems, then typically that sitting alters your posture to where then in turn you're using other muscles that should not be used for standing or getting up from a seated position and things like that. And what you're going to end up doing is causing a point of tension, usually in your back, because you get pulled a lot forward because you think sitting is a strengthening technique, if you want to take it that way, of anterior, which is the front of your body, getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And then the back of your body or the posterior chain is actually becoming much, much weaker because it's getting stretched out. But it is strong maybe in that posture that you're sitting. But as soon as you change that posture and try to move, your body just gets locked up. And that's when people are like, my back's out or things like that. So what would you say is a good rule of thumb that if you're sitting a lot, Mm -hmm. after how many minutes of sitting, it would be a good rule of thumb. It's like get up take a tour around, take a lap around the office or your cubicle or whatever. Yeah, I think that varies per person. But typically, if you do it about every 20 to 30 minutes, get up, move around. Uh, If you're like just in your little area. But if you're like having to get up and walk around, I would say about every hour, you know, and, you know, they have what is OSHA requires like every two and a half hours, you have 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 a 15 minute break or something like that. And really, you need that 15 minute break if you're only going to get that to get up and walk like the area that you work in, you know, or get up and go do some stretching or drop to the floor, do some cobras, you know, maybe even like do some neck exercises to help strengthen up the neck or just get motion into the neck. So we're going to come back to motion because that's a really big one. One of of the things that I've really been engaged with with you is you really create some things you can do from if you're restricted being on an airplane to having a wide field to run in, right? And that's one of the things I've really found interesting about you is you, you're, and I'm like, hey, man, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing this. I'm not going to have a gym. I'm not going to have that. And you're like, hey, cool. Do you have a six-foot by four-foot space that you can X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're really good about going, well, this is the way I ended up to translating it was is there is no excuse not to do something <laughs> right, right, right 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 you know you basically you got to find something you can do and if you stick with like your typical routines like there's there's a lot of people i know that love to run 
And, and so a running is a very simple thing where you just bring your shoes with you if you're on a trip and you can just go run. But weightlifting is not a simple thing. You have to find a gym. There's a lot of patients that are big into CrossFit that we have that go on vacation. And part of their vacation is to find a box in that area and work out in that box. And so they, they're almost addicted to that style of workout. But if you're going to the beach and you're not into, say, CrossFit or running or anything like that, and you're just regular workout, there's so many things that you can do of getting up and moving and, you know, just, you know, doing some side planks, doing some hip bridges, doing some, uh, you know, just some random stretches that, that are, you know, whatever we, we would prescribe to you or anything like that. There's a lot of things you can do, but the thing is you got to do them. Yeah. Right. And that's the hard part is finding the time. A lot of people find the time to do it. But the way I want people to look at it is like, I don't care if you do like a minute, an hour, you know, if you're getting up and doing something and that's better than doing nothing. Yeah. And that, and that brings me back to something you said is that momentum, right? Correct. You and I have lots of conversations about mobility, mm -hmm. right? And, and I, I, I give you an example is a lot of, Laura's parents, friends are all at that age of in their 80s and 90s that are moving into not assisted living, but not like a Trinity Terrace kind of is more of a social older folks home. It's not really medicine beds and everything else. But to get in there, and one of the things that I, that Laura and I have watched over the last couple of years is her mobility is incredibly limited. And I don't want to be, well, I can't say 50 anymore since that's <laughs> knocking on the door, but I don't want to be in my 60s or my 70s or my 80s and not be able to go do things. I want to be mobile. Now, I'm not looking to be like I was back in the Marine Corps where, you know, I could, you know, do just about any physical thing that could possibly mm -hmm. be done. I, but I want to be able to go enjoy a higher quality of life. And what I've learned from you over the last number of years is, look, don't wait till that moment happens to need that mobility. You right. need to start working on it now. And I don't mean like, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'll wait, I'll, I'll make this my New Year's resolution. Well, why put off for New Year's what you can do today, right? Mm -hmm. right. So let's talk about the importance of mobility and, and I mean, we could literally make a 52 week series based on that alone. And I realize, so it's really hard to get it down to a, a small little snack of it is talk about the importance of mobility and what that means to the human body. Okay. So mobility is a term that has been adapted and really not until about the mid 2000s when guys like Kelly Starrett and Gray Cook started talking about how joints needed movement, but not just your normal movement that you think about. They need to move in multiple planes. And if you, like, say I, when I was in football, I played football in college at Baylor. Um, you know, I spent that first year really training and training, lifting weights and trying to get more flexible. They didn't tell me why to get more flexible, but it's because I needed to get into certain positions and that's why I was getting more flexible to be able to sustain load as far as lifting, as far as playing and moving around. But mobility means that you're not just flexible in one plane of motion, you're flexible in multiple areas and you're actually able to sustain strength in those motions in multiple areas. So you say you want to bend over, touch your toes, but can you bend over, touch your toes to the side? 
or can you lean backwards and go into a back bend? Are you that kind of mobile? And so most people, you know, they start out earlier in their life and they're playing sports and they're training for sports and then they progress and they, they keep those same concepts of lifting and exercise. But what we need to do is really, as you learn more, you really realize that your body ages and pretty much after the age of 30, the, uh, the whole elasticity of the body starts really degrading. So after the age of 40, your number one activity should be stretching, but you also need to be activating muscles that will allow you to stretch more and become more mobile. The whole goal is to be able to walk until you can't anymore, right? Yeah. And until you basically pass away. And so we want to make sure that, you know, you're 100% understanding that we've got to mobilize these areas so we can avoid further injury, no matter what you like to do. If you're a power lifter, you got to be really super flexible or else you're going to last only a very short period of time. If you're a runner, you have to be super flexible. You also have to be super mobile and act and stable in order to sustain load of running either 5Ks, 10Ks, you know, half marathons, full marathons. And, you know, and the thing is, is like you get stuck in these kind of motions that are only single plane and you don't have the mobility. So ultimately you get injured. Right. And so we need to have, we need to have more mobility and attention to like other kind of movements than just the one you're training for. You know, it's really funny is hearing you say over 40 and how important stretching is, is mm. I've now coined this. Laura and I have coined this is Dr. Jason Hill's rhetorical question is when, you know, because the audience that has listened knows, you know, I split my time between here and Colorado. Right. And a lot of it is because I can focus when I'm up in Colorado because not everybody's pulling at me. But I also can have more balance up there where I am stretching and working out and hiking and doing things that are healthier for me. But it's really funny is when I am coming back to Texas and I come to see you because something's going on, it's about nine out of ten times you have your rhetorical question of, have you been stretching? Which is pretty much you saying, you're not stretching, and I know you're not stretching, or else you wouldn't be in here right now, right. Uh, because it, how important it is. Because I, 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 I have a, a, I dedicate normally, right? When I just don't get so sideways and and just so tied up in what I'm doing, is I make a dedicated like the 45 minutes of in one of the rooms in my house up there in Colorado. I tried to do it here, but it's just always so harder here because I'm meeting to meeting to meeting phone to phone and it's just insane so it's just making excuses basically but i'll get in there it's quiet it's peaceful and i just get into some deep stretching and deep breathing and then when i am consistently doing that interesting enough i have less problems going on in my body and then i'm sure there's got to be some sort of correlation from when my body's used to being stretched all the time and then i do little to no stretching over a period of two months that the body's tightened it up because it's used to being freed up through the stretching right. right your body has become accustomed to that's its state of what you would call homeostasis or your basically your normal state is becoming more flexible and so when you have that experience you have that awareness of what your body can feel like and you go back to a normal state 
of where you're not stretching as much, then your body's wanting to be back there where you're flexible and, and able to move and everything like that. And so at that point, you have that awareness in your own body, uh, like a proprioceptive type awareness that you should be able to bend over and touch your toes. You should be able to like lean over to the side, pick something up without going, you know, like back pain or anything like that, looking like Fred Sanford, you know. And so you really want to make sure that your body is always being trained because your capsules that surround your joints as well as your muscles, they can become very, very rigid. And you look at, and what I really look at is, is this a, uh, like a fascial tissue problem or is this an activation problem? And so we have to make the judgment call of, are you activating well enough in certain areas that really need it, like lats and glutes and rhomboids? Um, or are you overactivated? like say an infraspinatus or even like maybe a glute medius might become overactivated or anything like that, or are you just not flexible, right? And so are you not stretching? So we either look at, are you doing exercises to promote this strength in your muscle, in your joint, or are you doing like just regular stretching and is that helping out? But if it's not 100% helping out, we've got to change some of your, some of your routines. And so when you're looking at way you are in a normal environment, if you're not doing these exercises and typically your body's stagnating, you know, and then you're just, you're basically just holding on to a lot of tension, a lot of toxic waste that comes in your body that is produced by your, by your muscles and also neurological activities. And so being mobile and being and moving, you definitely have to have a, um, a large amount of activity in order to do that in multiple planes of motion. So, and I, I think of this as, like, to me, many a times, just the education I get from companies, like, when you go see a regular doctor, mm-hmm. you know, they, you don't get any education out of it. No. They're like, yeah. they're like, here, take this, yeah. drink more li- liquids, here's your prescription, whatnot. There's no education in it. Like, right. hey, just, what do I do for preventative? Mm-hmm. Well, preventative and promotive, right? Preventative things that prevent injury and things that will promote mobility, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I laugh because y'all's business plan is we've effectively done our mission if you never have to walk in here again. Yeah, that's a, right? that's a weird business model. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really mean for patient retention, but, you know, you look at it, the people that that come into our clinic and I find to be the most appreciative of the fact that we're very honest with you and not trying to get you to come back, you know, three times a week for the rest of your life. And we want to fix the problem and take care of it, you know. And also with that, one of the biggest things, and you, in every class I take, uh, they talk about educating patients. You have to let somebody know what's going on with them. You know, especially when what you do is is kind of weird, like what we do when we like, like you said, I cause more pain in order to relieve pain. And you have to let somebody know this is why I'm doing this. This is what's really restricted. This is why you're having, like, say, left sided restriction, right sided pain um, in your back. And so we need to break this tissue up to cause balance in here. And so what you know educating is the primary thing that any doctor should do but i mean i understand what you're saying like i go to my pcp and really he just orders blood work tells me i'm fat and uh, you know sticks his finger in places i don't want him to stick right and it's about 10 15 minutes maybe you know maybe and that's if we just uh, bs about other stuff so you know it's really funny for the audience sake because you know when you're hearing me talk about how often i'm coming in to see is really there's there's a 
a number, I, I probably come in a lot more than your average client for a number of reasons. One, because I get an education every time I go in here. It, it, it's worth it just to come see you to learn about different exercises. I'll give an example is, so when I came to you about the, the back and you're like, okay, all right, if this is what a regular Cobra type exercise is, let's show you something that you need to do where you can shift your hips over, then do this. So it's similar to it, but just the angle. And then you're like, okay, after a couple of days of that, then go back to doing a regular Cobra for stretching out that that that, that disc bulge or whatever thing. Yeah. you read. And, and, and it was really interesting because it was like, wow, so just that mobility exercise that I did for a few days offset the – and I mean, because you saw me, man. I was blowing up your phone. And, right. And like Jason will tell you, the last thing you ever want to do is let me have your cell phone number. Like you just <laughs> give the website because you have people like me that will blow you up. Because I was coming back from Chicago and I was just – man, I was in pain. And you're like, hey, cool, man. Here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to look at this. We're going to adjust this here. Not adjust because we weren't doing any adjustment. Right. We were like, okay, let's unlock this, but do this exercise. And within days, I was like, it's gone. So it's just really interesting is how much in this convoluted medical technology world we live in, which I really think is really insurance driven, which we'll come back to y'all's pricing yeah. model. Yeah. Uh is you guys just aren't out there going, hey, we're going to do this. We're looking just to prescribe medicines and everything else, is there's a, a a great level of trust that when I'm coming in to see you, it's like, okay, he's not going to be like – because you got some doctors out there that are quick to put you under the knife, right? Right. Right. You do. And, and that's y'all's – I mean, that's like, hey, worst case scenario, everything else has failed. We're going to do everything but get to that if we can. And so so I come in here because I trust that. That you're gonna you're gonna give me some weird voodoo exercise to do that actually works to you know because of that that trust the learning that I do because now that I've learned what that technique is I can still continue to deploy that technique even though I'm not coming into your office right right, right. because it's self it's self done right and then three another reason I come in there well there's two yeah another reason I come in there a lot is because I put off trying to address a number of trauma and issues I caused to myself over the years, like I said, between my own stupidity, Marine Corps, PD, and everything else. So there's a lot of things that I'm constantly... Another reason, reason number four, is because, well, a lot of times I get lazy, right? It is, I'm like, yeah, I should be doing these things that Jason told me to go do. Mm -hmm. I haven't because I've gotten so hyper-focused on what I'm doing that I didn't make balance in my life to go do these things. So I'll just go see him and pay him mm-hmm. to go, okay, well, we'll take, I don't want to necessarily call it a shortcut, but we'll, if you would have been doing all these things, you wouldn't be in here now, man. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to X, Y, Z. And then the fifth reason is because, man, you're not only the guy that works on me, but you've trusted me when it came time to buy a home, right? right. Just like I come to you because you are the subject matter expert. The last thing I'm ever going to do is say, hey, Jason, this is what I need you to do. You did the same thing. You paid, you, And so for me, it's like, hey, you know what? I like doing business with people mm-hmm. that also come back and do business with me, right? And, right. And, and so there's a number of reasons which all keeps coming back to that thing called trust, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You trusted me when it came to real estate stuff. I trust you when it comes to mobility stuff. Mm-hmm. I trust you in that I'm going to learn from you. You trust 
me because like recent refi thing. And when you right. told me what they tried to praise you on, I was like, nah, no, nah, they're dumb. Let's fix that. You know, you know, so it's just it's 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 this mutual exchange of trust that I really don't trust a lot of the doctors that are out there. I mean, we, uh, me and some friends had a talk, had a conversation about this is how much concerning it is. And a friend of mine who is a doctor was like, yeah, look, I went to medical school with a lot of these folks. And yeah, yeah they aced their exams, but they only did what was necessary to ace an exam. Mm-hmm. They're not passionate about what they do. And you're very passionate about what yeah. you do. Like when you start using technical terms, they have more than one syllable. I'm like, Jason, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Remember, I'm a Marine. I can't read so good. You got a pop-up book version. Just, you know, tell me yeah. what to do or stop doing this. But that, that's that's what I want the audience to understand about you is it's Look, if you're hurt or you got something going on or you're looking to try to address something that you're concerned about, absolutely you should go to Jason because he's a subject matter expert at what he does. But they can come to you because they can trust you, right? Right. Just like I trust you. And like, man, I'm always sending people your direction. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, man, before you go do anything, just this is the bet I, I make people. I'm like, just go do Go meet with Jason, even if you've never met him before, say you do your first evaluation. I'm like, if within three visits, you, you, your, your issue is still there, then it's one of a couple of things. One, you're either not doing what he's telling you to do, or you really do have an issue that's pretty severe that you're probably going to learn about that within that three visits. Mm-hmm. Or three, you're just an anomaly of an individual because everybody else I know that I've sent your direction has walked out of there and been like, Wow, man, like I really thought I was going to have to go to a go to a surgeon and get surgery. And now I don't have to worry about it because as a professional, this is this is kind of my long detour road to get around is I'm a professional. My time is worth a lot. I mean, if you really look at what I do on any given day. My time is right. at a minimum worth 500 bucks an hour. Exactly. So if I go get surgery mm-hmm. and I'm out for six weeks. That is a huge monetary loss for me. But I come to you and call it one, two, three sessions. I'm not out a lot of cash. So what I pay you is nominal compared to what I can continue to make because I haven't been taken out of the rotation. And that's what I want the audience to say. Because our, our, this, this show really targets um, high performers, right. not just in athletics, but in the professional world. And that's the thing is for us, time is the commodity that we cannot lose. And that's what you really help is you help me manage my time by not having to give it away to something that I'm going to have to have someone and something that I'm not in control of take me out of the workforce for X amount of days, weeks, or months, right? Right. You know, there's a lot. Yeah. 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 And so if I could just recap a lot of that, you know, I spent my first almost 15 years, better part of 15 years with a couple of years away in the work comp system, trying to work with chronic pain type patients. The company I worked for had medical doctors and they were trying to reduce pain, um, pain meds and, and everything, but everything was really insurance driven and nothing was really done to actually help the people get out of what they were doing. You know, which was a cycle of medication, a cycle of, you know, poor health, not returning to work, things like that. Whereas I don't ever want to go back to a system that is insurance based or workman's comp based, especially. My goal when I left there was to really kind of take a step back and help people not reach that point. Because when you get to that point, it's very hard to escape. 
uh, a lot of the, the like the pill addiction and and the surgery addiction that people had because they and most of the time the surgeries didn't even work, you know. And so when I came over to Active Spine and Sport, which I feel very lucky to actually have found or been found by them, and really have learned a lot there on how to take somebody and not allow them to get to that stage. You know, what you were talking about, the first part was uh, more of a McKinsey technique where we're really trying to reduce disc bulges. And with that, basically all I do is look at your function, look at the way you move. And if you have a weakness on one side of your body, I can tell if you have a disc bulge, uh, basically in three different categories, or there's a few more, but the main categories, which would be a derangement of a disc or dysfunction of a disc, or it could just be a posture thing. You know, we have to do, uh, decide between those areas. And every single one requires a different kind of therapy. Some of them, I'll tell you to just do Cobras or Cobras with hips to one side versus the other if we find that's the side that you have the disc bulge on. And if you don't get that disc bulge in, it's not going to get better. Nothing's going to get better. And then ultimately you're going to end up having surgery because you can't get that better. All right. And so what I try to stress is let's find the problem. Let's do the exercises conducive of reducing the problem. And then after we reduce the problem, then we have to remodel. And so really that remodeling phase is up to you. All right. It's you doing the exercises. If you're going to do the strengthening and stretching exercises that I tell you to do and maybe add in a few more that you find along the way that may be really good for you uh, and you take really proactive, then you can avoid a lot of that later surgery that may have to happen. So yeah. you guys you guys don't take insurance. No. And so it's cash payment mm-hmm. when you're there, mm-hmm. or cash, credit card, debit card, whatever. Right. Is did you have you ever found that you get resistance from growing your client base because people cannot use insurance? You know, it just depends. I mean, there's people who will come to me once and they're like, I don't have the money to come here multiple times. And I'll tell them what to do. And I'll say, keep in contact with me and let's go over this periodically what you need to do. The fact that we don't take insurance is because we found that we were a lot wasting a lot of time on adjunct therapies, doing things that weren't really conducive to them healing. Because they're driven by, because the, insurance they're driven by the insurance company, you know, and insurance companies have this this kind of procedure and thought process that you need to do only this amount of visits. And it's very structured. Typically, it's like six, especially in physical therapy, six and then maybe 12. But you if you do a lot of soft tissue work, that's considered non um, basically non refundable type like work. Right. And so whereas, you know, we want to get the person better and whether it be exercise or soft tissue or whatever, we need to make that decision. I can't go by what some doctor in some clinic out in, you know, or maybe not even clinic, some office in like, you know, I don't know, somewhere like uh, some Midwest town or whatever, who gets in there because he doesn't want to practice anymore or because he just likes doing reviews. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of guys that get into practices that just don't want to practice anymore. They want to review other cases. And that's fine. You really, you know, you, you get paid for whatever you get paid for. But I want to get paid for doing what is best for the person. Right. And I don't want to have to deal with this person's insurance saying, well, they can only come this many times. Or, you know, you if you only did two visits, why didn't you do six? 
you know, so we're not going to pay you that as much for those two visits because obviously it wasn't that big of a deal. So the, the right. way I view you is mm-hmm. like almost in my financial circles. You, you, you've heard me talk about, you know, like I got a wealth manager, I got a banker, I got a, you know, uh, a CPA. Well, I like to think of you as like my health wealth manager, right? right? Is, yeah, I, I'm not going to get a copay insurance coming in there, but I, I see it as I'm investing money in you. Mm-hmm. Right. So that way I can continue to be extremely productive and effective at my craft. Right. So it's kind of like a wealth manager, right? Mm-hmm. They take fees for growing your money. Mm-hmm. A CPA takes fees for protecting you from the IRS and so forth and so forth. I really view you as the same way as you collect a fee to keep me producing, especially being an entrepreneur, especially owning several companies, I am able to go perform because I invest in you and you keep me on the right track for doing it. Whether it is an office visit or, hey, let me show you some techniques that's going to prevent you from not being mobile to be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Right. I mean, everybody, you pay for their time and their experience, right? And you pay for their knowledge base. They're like, you're not going to come to me for your wealth management. That you would, I don't think I would even pay myself for that, <laughs> right? You're going to come to me because of what I do. And if I am restricted uh, in what I do for you because of an insurance company or whatever like that, then, you know, I have a problem. I can't, I can't give you my full information on what you deserve. So at that point, really, uh, you know, I find that when you do a lot of insurance base, you end up wasting a lot of time that is money. Right. And you really think if you think about it that way, um, you're you know, even though I'm in in here to help people out, I'm, I feel like I'm very passionate. You've even said that, you know, you still want to get paid for what you do. And if if this insurance company is not going to pay me for what I do, then why should I even deal with them? Yeah, absolutely. So. We could, again, make a year long. You and I were talking about it on the way here this morning, too, is. There's this is just a high level 35,000 foot view that I really wanted the audience to hear, especially those that are living here in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. If you're looking to be a professional that stays in the game, you you need to have you need to have Jason in your life because you're going to get injuries. You're going to get tired. You're going to get fatigued. Things are going to happen and he's going to keep you in the game to continue being productive. And so I know that we've just touched on several things where there's a lot more that goes into everything that you've done. And so I really do appreciate you coming in to give us that overview of everything that, that, that you know, goes on with the human body that people are just not educated about. Right, right. And I appreciate the opportunity. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, we did kind of gloss over a lot of stuff, but there's so much that you can even talk about with this. And just like anything else, like if you got here with a bunch of other realtors or a bunch of other Marines, I mean, you guys could talk about things for days, I'm sure, and months. And so the same thing with if we were to go over everything that chiropractic has to offer, as well as physical therapy, as well as, uh, you know, soft tissue management, things like that. And coming from either my perspective or multiple people's perspectives, you could do hours, hours, days and months of kind of material on this. Well, I like to end every one of these with 
let's go back to 20-year-old self. And I know that 20-year-old self wouldn't listen to present-day self, but if you knew 20-year-old self would allow you to take a time machine back and give you five minutes to say, Mm -hmm. I will listen to one piece of advice of either do this or don't do this, what would you go back and tell 20-year-old self? I'd probably, I mean, be patient. You know, that was my hardest thing was patience back in that time. 20 year, 22, 20-year-old 20 self, I had stopped playing football, played rugby, fractured my back, um, blew out a shoulder, blew out a knee. And I thought, you know, at that point, my athletic career was over. And so I just was so anxious about what can I do? And, and I tried to jump into different things instead of just being patient with it and allowing things, the process to happen, you know, and going with a process instead of, uh, and this is jumping around a bit, but, uh, you know, I used to listen to a lot of my friends and talk about their successes right out of school. And I was like, well, why am I not having success right out of school? And, and it was because I needed to go through a process of learning and understanding what I do. And I had to have patience. And patience is like one of the bigger things that I even concentrate on today. Sound words of wisdom from Dr. Jason Hill. People want to learn more about what you do. How do they find you? Where do they go? Uh, well, I'm at Active Spine and Sport Therapy. Um, you can go to activespinesport.com. That's probably the easiest thing. We have a very user-friendly uh, website for scheduling, also learning about what we do. Uh, you can also give the office a call at 817-332-5353. And... If you happen to be driving down the road and you're not watching us on YouTube and you missed it, you can always go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com, experience with an ED. Click on podcast, scroll down to Dr. Jason Hill, and we'll have all the links in there that you can get in touch with him to go over there and be more productive, more mobile. And as always, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, go to that homepage, click find a trusted professional, and we'll make sure you get taken care of. Jason, thank you for coming in. Thanks, sir.